Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the gridiron universe of the silver and black. You're tuned into Just Pod, baby. Your go-to destination for all things Raiders. The prime thing is you have to win. You have to win. Otherwise, you can't be a success in professional football. This podcast is proudly brought to you by SportsNot.com, the unfiltered sports juggernaut. Whether you're a diehard Raiders fan or just looking to stay in the know about this iconic franchise, you're in the right place. We are the Raiders. We represent the Raider Nation. Now, here's your host, Evan Grote. Welcome back, Raider Nation. I am Evan Grote. This is Just Pod Baby, a Las Vegas Raiders podcast brought to you by SportsNot.com. Back after a week off for the Thanksgiving holiday. I had a birthday last week as well, so I was pretty busy last week. Sorry I didn't get the show out to you. I hope everyone enjoyed their holiday with their friends and family. The Raiders have their bye week this week, week 13. A little late in the year for the bye, but it does give the the team and the coaches a chance to catch their breath a little bit, especially the last four weeks. Uh, Antonio Pierce, I'm sure, is happy to have this extra time off. Bo Hardegree as well. I mean, if you think about it, nobody has had their their role and that locker room change more in the last month than Antonio Pierce and Bo Hardegree. So, gives them a chance to, uh, like I said, catch their breath, kind of regroup, evaluate what's been going on these past four weeks and, and, and adjust a little bit more to their new uh, new roles and, and new responsibilities. Now, before we go too much further into the show, please remember to follow and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast from. Also, please check out justpodbaby.com. All of the episodes there are archived, so you can always go back and re-listen to an old episode if you want to do that, and, and check out sportsnot.com as well for me. As I previously mentioned, the Raiders, they do not have a game this week, so what I want to do is I want to spend some time, there's two topics that I want to spend some time discussing here this evening. The first one is I want to look at the last four games under Antonio Pierce as the head coach, where the Raiders currently stand and 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 you know kind of put a grade on on the job that coach Pierce has done thus far. Now with five games to play, obviously the grade can change, uh, but we are going to you know just focus on the last four games and and what he's been able to do in that short amount of time. And and the reason that I bring this topic up this week is because after the loss to the Chiefs last week, I tweeted out some of my thoughts immediately after the game, and if you don't follow me on on X, please do so at egrote 5 But what I said was, and I'm just kind of paraphrasing right now, but what I said was, you know, the Raiders, they play hard for uh, Coach Pierce. They seem really motivated to want to play for him. They support the head coach. But overall, to me, what we were seeing happen under Josh McDaniels a lot of those things remain a problem, and that's just my opinion. And, and I just feel like the lack of experience at head coach, at offensive coordinator, and at quarterback are, are becoming more and more evident. I'll expand a little bit more on those thoughts when I get into um, the the main topic of the show. You know, Raider Nation, as they are with most topics, they're divided on what the future for Antonio P- Pierce, what what it should be, what that should look like, as well as Aiden O'Connell. There's, it's very divided right now. I'm going to give you some of my thoughts on Coach Pierce. I put out a Twitter question on Thursday. 
what grade would you give Antonio Pierce? Many of you responded, and I appreciate that. Pretty mixed results, I would say. I mean, we had a lot of different results. I'm going to give you my results or, or my two thoughts or two cents on that, I should say, and what I think he should be graded at um, so far. We don't have a guest, uh, but I did, I did have the opportunity last week just before Thanksgiving to record an interview for Sportsnot. I was filling in and I hosted an interview. I chatted with Jason Fitz from Yahoo Sports, who many of you know is a big time Raiders fan. I asked him about Coach Pierce and what he believed Coach Pierce needed to do to get the interim tag removed. I have that audio for you guys and I want to share that with you. So we'll get to that as well here in segment one. And then in segment two, the main topic in segment two is what do you think about the Raiders coaching vacancy? Is it an attractive job? Will it attract a a a good candidate? Where, where would you rank it with other jobs that are available right now? There's only one, that's the Panthers. But I also want to mention some jobs that could potentially be available. So we're going to have a little fun with that in segment number two. Um, so that is kind of the rundown uh, that is the plan for the week. I want to get it kicked off here this week. The Raiders are five and seven on the year. They're two and two under Antonio Pierce at the helm with five games to play. Starting in week 14, Las Vegas is at home for two games with the Vikings, who just lost to the Bears, and then the Chargers, who are just having a horrendous season right now at four and seven, I believe, followed by two road games versus the Chiefs and the Colts, and finally ending the year on the road in Denver, just like they began the year uh, when they played them at home, who is playing much better football right now. If there's any team, they might be one of the hottest teams in the NFL right now, the Denver Broncos. So you got to you gotta give Sean Payton some credit for getting that turned around a bit. They're right in the mix there for the playoffs. Now, how many of those final five games will the Raiders win? Can they win? I'll let you decide that. I'm not going to discuss that. However they end the year, though, will go a long way in deciding two very important things for Mark Davis. Number one, will Antonio Pierce be brought back as the head coach? And what will happen with Aiden O'Connell? Will he be the starter heading into the offseason and and into next year? Now, I told you in the introduction to the show that I wanted to put a grade on Coach Pierce. That's what we're going to get into right now is, is giving him a grade, assessing the job that he has done, uh, discuss some of the things that he's done well and some of the things that you know he, he's lacked and, and where he needs to continue to improve. I'll start with giving you my grade. This is obviously a very small sample size, four games. I mean, that's not enough to truly evaluate a guy making his first you know time at a head coach. So I, you know, I don't want this to come off as a, you know, me being overly critical of him. I understand this is, you know, he's very new to this, but, um, and also, you know, I think it's worth noting that, <clears throat> excuse me, most times when an interim coach steps into that position, they're going to struggle because of the position that they were put into. He inherited a mess as do most interim head coaches. Bo Hardegree, you know, he's not installing a new offensive system. No staff can do that in that short of time. There, there, there's subtle changes that are made, of course. Um, but when you lose your head coach, who was the guy who was calling your offense, only so many changes can be made schematically to the offense. But you know, overall, where we have seen the the greatest impact or the the most positive change, as we all know, is in the locker room. 
The team is now galvanized. They play hard. They believe in the head coach. They feel empowered by their head coach. In certain cases, the players, their opinions and their feedback is the coaches are seeking it out and they value it. I heard Coach Pierce talking this week on Monday in his press conference. He was asked a question about, you know, go, going to Josh Jacobs and Devontae Adams and, and and getting feedback from them into, you know, things that they like to run on offense. So, you know, he's much more of a player's coach than what we saw under Josh McDaniels. That was not the case, right, with McDaniels. Uh, but again, being that player's coach, uh, galvanizing the locker room, that's important stuff, but it only goes so far. And that's what I've been saying really for the last, you know, four weeks since since Pierce took over, that's only going to get you so far. Now he's done some other good things as well. One of the things I want to point out is eliminating turn or not turnovers. I sorry, penalties. He's a, he's, he's really got this team playing uh, more disciplined football. As far as the penalties go, the Raiders were not penalized at all against the Chiefs, and they were penalized only three times against the Dolphins. And that again, that's something that he's putting a lot of emphasis on. He's talking a lot about that in his press conferences. And we all know, as, as Raider fans, that is an area where they have been, you know, among the worst in the league. If you look back in the last twenty years, the Raiders are generally near the bottom of the league and penalties. They can be devastating, as you know. To me, that is a sign that he's got these guys playing a little bit more. Uh, focused and more disciplined brand of football, which I think is a great thing. But on the other side of that, going to the flip side, some of the areas where this team is continuing to struggle is number one is on offense. They still cannot score points. Outside of the very first game uh, with Pierce, when the, the Raiders scored 30 points on the Giants, they have since scored 16, 13, and 17. That problem has not gotten any better. And that has more to do with Bo Hardigree, of course, because he's the play caller. But Pierce, you can tell from, again, the comments in the conferences that he has an influence on the offensive game plans. He has been very outspoken about wanting to to run the football. That's where the whole offense uh, begins. It's about getting Josh Jacobs 20-plus touches. And so, you know, again, that's just an area where, where they have continued to struggle. The other area where he, you know, he just is lacking, and it's been a problem, is the lack of in-game adjustments. The Chiefs game is a very good example of that. The Raiders had a 14-point lead. They could not have gotten off to a better start. That's how you want to start against the Chiefs, a fast start, get them behind, and, and try to continue to, to build your lead. Now, what you saw Andy Reid do was a masterclass in adjustments. And, you know, it's not fair. I'm Obviously, I'm not going to sit here and try to compare uh, Pierce to Andy Reid. Andy Reid is one of the best to ever do it. But I'm just saying that that's what an, an elite coach can, can do is that, you know, you come out and you're, and you're behind early in the game and you make those adjustments. And you could clearly see as the Raiders were outscored 31 to three, that the Chiefs were able to make those adjustments and Pierce and his staff was not able to counter and, and make those. <clears throat> Excuse me. So if I, I think if if Pierce wants to be become a serious contender in the future, uh, or I should say over the next five games to 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 get the job going forward, he's going to have to improve in some of those ha- uh, halftime and, and adjustments late in the game. 
And there's also one other area that I think he's been lacking and, and needs to improve greatly, and that is his game management. Now, many people have been criticizing him for being too conservative at times, uh, maybe not keeping his foot on the gas. Again, you could point to the the uh, Chiefs game with, with some examples there. Now, we all know this roster, it's not very good. You know, it's just not. The defense, all season really, has been playing far above expectations. So you need to continue to be aggressive on offense. Even, you know, you got a chance, again, like the Chiefs, you're up 14-0. Keep the foot on the gas. I'll point out two examples here from the Dolphins game. Both occurred, this was at the end of the the the, uh, the first, the second quarter, end of the second quarter, so just before halftime. I believe, the, I think it was halftime. The Raiders were leading 14-10, to 10. okay? They went three and out. They ran the ball three consecutive times, punted the ball. I believe there was like two minutes. This was just before half, so, you know, two minutes or just before the two-minute warning. Three consecutive runs, stuffed, punted. On the ensuing Dolphins' possession, the defense was fortunate enough to uh, to force a fumble and recover the fumble with 58 seconds left. And the Raiders, I might add, also they had two timeouts at that point in time. Okay? And they had the ball on the Miami 32-yard line. So you had to be aggressive at this point in time. Rather than be aggressive, though, and go for the touchdown, they played it safe, they played it conservative, and and had to settle for a field goal. Now, generally, you're not going to win against high-flying, high-scoring offenses, explosive offenses like Kansas City and Miami when you play conservatively. So I do think that that criticism uh, of his game management is justified. But all in all, you look at the last four games, the Raiders have beat two really bad teams in the Giants and the Jets, and then they lost to two really good teams in the AFC, the Dolphins and the Chiefs. Now, I'm interested to see how the Raiders compete against more of these middle-of-the-road teams because I didn't expect them to beat the Dolphins. I didn't expect them to beat the Chiefs. I'm interested to see how they do against the Chargers and the Colts and the Vikings and the Broncos. Okay, those are the teams, because those those are toss-up games, I think. Those games could go either way. So that was long-winded, right? (laughs) And I hope you stuck with me. But my grade for Antonio Pierce, I'm giving Antonio Pierce a B-. minus. Uh, for many of the reasons that I just I uh, just mentioned, uh, one other thing that I didn't mention, and I think this is important to to comment on, because I just mentioned that I didn't think the Raiders had a chance against the Chiefs or the Dolphins, but I must admit they were very very competitive against Miami, and it was a one score game I believe, and they were competitive with the Chiefs, you know for what two and a half three quarters, so. They exceeded my expectations, but overall, again, I think it's a B minus. That did weigh heavily on my grade, the competitiveness in the losses. If they were non-competitive in those losses, then it would have been more of like a C, C minus. So um, again, I did have a lot of responses from you guys on Twitter. I appreciate you guys getting involved in your feedback. Um, Let's let's do this now. Uh, before I get to uh, a break, what I want to do is I want to play the audio for you from my conversation last week with Jason Fitz from Yahoo Sports, big-time Raiders fan. I asked him, what does he think Coach Pierce needs to do to get the head coaching job full-time for the Raiders? Here's what he had to say. So I think 
he's got to be competitive against Kansas City. The Raiders still have two games left against Kansas City. He's got to be competitive. He cannot get blown out in any of these games. He doesn't have to beat Kansas City, but it has to look like Miami did, where it came down to the wire and you thought, man, I can't believe it. We were in this game. I think if he's competitive with Kansas City and doesn't get blown out anywhere, he's got a very real chance at the job. And part of that is because look at Mark Davis and the way he celebrated the Las Vegas Aces WNBA win with the players dancing around a part of the parade. Like He wants to be a player's owner. He wants players to love him. And so I don't think it's an accident that you see him in the locker room with Max Crosby having cigars after the game. Like If Max Crosby says, I want Antonio Pierce, and there's not a reason to say no, it becomes very easy for, for Mark Davis to say, yeah, we're going to do this the way you guys want. We're going to let the players sort of be the, the voice of reasoning here. I, I think that's what he wants to do moving forward. Is that the right choice? Well, I mean, we live sort of in this new Deion Sanders world where certain guys that played the game know how to relate to certain guys, and that looks great when Colorado's winning, and it looks terrible when Colorado's not, right? So ultimately, as long as Antonio Pierce, he's like any other first-time head coach. He's going to be judged by the coordinators he brings in. So is he able to bring in an offensive coordinator that can make something out of this offense? Are they able to find a quarterback? Like the same things that any coach is going to have to face. I think there are going to be sexy names. Ben Johnson, the offensive coordinator for the Lions. Jim Harbaugh, obviously, I think he's going to leave Michigan. I think he'll be back in the NFL. These are big names that people are going to have an eye on. I would look at it this way and say Antonio Pierce deserves every chance at a fair shot at the gig. If he's able to be competitive moving forward, he shouldn't get the gig without talking to other people, and he shouldn't lose the gig just because you want to talk to other people. Got to be fair and thorough in the process. All right, so there was Jason Fitz from Yahoo Sports with some of his thoughts on the possibility of uh, and, and what Antonio Pierce needs to do to get the job full time. Again, if you follow me on Twitter, you guys kind of know where I stand. You know, after four games right now, I just I don't see it. I don't see Antonio Pierce getting the head coaching job. Obviously, there's a lot that could change. Five games left. If the if the Raiders rattle off four wins in the next five games, that could definitely change my mind. But I'm only going off of what I have seen in the uh, previous four games. So it'll be interesting to see what the Raiders and what uh, Antonio Pierce can do here to change the minds of of many of us out there. All right, guys, I'm going to step aside here and get to a quick break. And when I return, the conversation is going to turn to, is the Raiders coaching vacancy going to be an attractive one? And I'm going to throw out some other uh, teams that could potentially be looking for a new head coach and where the Raiders stack up versus some of those teams. So don't go away. Uh, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. This is Just Pod Baby brought to you by Sportsnot.com. All right, Raider Nation, back for segment number two to wrap this one up. Raiders on the bye week, as you know, they return to action in week 14. I'll have a new show out for you next week to pre- uh, preview that game. Please subscribe to the podcast anywhere that you get your podcast. Let's have a little fun with this next topic, okay? I, I need you guys to use a little bit of your imagination here. I know it's it's early to be having this conversation, really. I mean, the season hasn't even finished yet, but let's let's be honest. The number one topic in the next four weeks is going to be, and, and, and beyond, is who is the next head coach going to be for the Raiders? That's what everyone is going to be focusing on. So again, I know it's early, but it's the bye week, not a ton going on. So I thought, let's get into this. We're going to do this. Where do you rank the Raiders head coaching vacancy? And is it going to be an attractive job that will attract a top-notch head coach? Now, currently the Raiders and the Panthers 
are the only two teams that had have uh, head coaching vacancies. There will be more, as you know. There will be more. I'm going to project a couple of other teams that I believe, based on the way they're playing, based on some of the rumors and reports that are out there, who are some other coaches that could be fired? We're going to start with the Chargers and Brandon Staley. It may not happen before the end of the season, but if things continue like I think they will, he probably will be fired at season's end. They have greatly underachieved under Staley. They are four and seven right now, and I and I and I again I do expect him to be fired. So I do think that'll be one. That'll be a that will be a third opening in the NFL. Eberflus in Chicago is another candidate. Even after the win over the Vikings, four and eight right now. It was bad last year as well. So I think that would be the fourth opening. What's going on with the Patriots and Bill Belichick? That's been long rumored now for the last several weeks. We heard that maybe he signed a contract that wasn't uh, made public. Who knows what's going on? A lot of different stories swirling about his future. If things continue down that road, I think he and the Patriots could part ways. That would be opening number five. Uh, the, the the fifth, or excuse me, the sixth opening that I think we could see is uh, Ron Rivera. Ron Rivera in Washington. He just let go of Jack Del Rio, and that's usually kind of the sign. You get rid of a coordinator, things don't get any better. The head coach goes next. So I'm just kind of reading the tea leaves. I think Ron Rivera could be out in Washington. Another one that I think we could see fired, Todd Bowles in Tampa Bay. Has not been able to get it done. Not having Tom Brady, of course, was is a problem, but he had Brady last year and they still couldn't get it done. And then I have one wild card team for you to keep an eye on. That is the Buffalo Bills. Sean McDermott, yes. That's in my neck of the woods. I live here in Buffalo. I have a lot of friends who are Bills fans. I hear local radio I'm not sure if the Bills do not make the playoffs, which is is highly unlikely at this point with that schedule they have remaining, that Sean McDermott, if they do not make the playoffs, he could be fired. So that is, what, seven jobs that I just listed as potential openings, okay? Where would the Raiders rank in that job in, in that list of, of teams? Now, in my opinion, and this is all my opinion, when you are looking at a potential job and what makes it attractive, there's a couple of things that would be on my list. And I'm sure that they're on the list of potential coaches as well. Who is your quarterback? What is the stability of the franchise, right? The history, I guess you could say. The stability. And what draft assets do you have for the incoming coach? And I think salary cap, is is another part of the equation as well. Something else that should be considered. So quickly, when I think of some of the teams that I just mentioned, you know, when you talk about the quarterback situation, two teams immediately pop into my head. You have the Chargers with Herbert and Buffalo with Allen. So if if those jobs become available, they immediately go right to the top because you know a coach like Ben Johnson, an offensive-minded coach, if he should be a candidate for a job, is is going to jump at the opportunity to coach Josh Allen or Justin Herbert. Now, this is my opinion. You, some of you guys may disagree. So I think those two would rank at the top. 
You could look at the Bears situation. You have Fields, who was a former, what, top 10 pick from a couple years ago? I mean, who knows what the organization is going to decide to do with him, but the other attractive piece there with the Bears is that they're going to have, most likely, the number one pick in the draft. So if you want to draft, the head coach wants to draft their guy, you have an opportunity to bring in a Caleb Williams or a Drake May, whoever it is that they have at the top of their chart. So I think that becomes a more attractive job than than the Raiders as well. When you look at some of the other teams on the list, the Patriots and the the uh, Commanders, Tampa Bay, you know, those jobs, they kind of fall in the same area as the Raiders, kind of middle of the pack, right? Because they too don't have great quarterback situations, much like the Raiders. I mean, let's be honest. The Raiders quarterback situation is very much in limbo. Is Aiden O'Connell the guy, in your opinion. We're going to find out more in the next five games. We'll see. So to me, right now, I'm not 100% sure that the Raiders' job is that attractive. Yes, you have guys like Max Crosby, a a, a guy who's going to be, if not the defensive player of the year, he better finish second. I mean, he's having an unbelievable year right now. That's going to be an attractive piece. Devontae Adams, that's an attractive piece. That's an attractive piece for an, uh, for a head coach to come into. So there are some building blocks there. Josh Jacobs, I don't know. Who knows what's going to happen with Jacobs next year? We don't really know. Now, you know, there there is one other thing that just kind of like popped into my mind here as I was talking, which is another factor that I think gets considered into a, a coach looking to, at a new job. I mentioned stability of the organization and whatnot. Again, the Raiders don't have a stellar history of that recently, but facilities and location. And I think that is one great selling point in addition to a couple great players that I just mentioned, but the Raiders have great facilities, state of the art. I, you, you always hear new players coming into the team talking about how great the, the facilities are. I think that's attractive. The, the no state uh, income tax. I think that's attractive for a, a guy coming in, right? A new coach coming in. The Raiders don't quite have that home field advantage yet. I mean, that's that's something that, you know, maybe a coach is not a great selling point for him. Same thing with the Chargers job. They don't have a great home field advantage either, but that location, Los Angeles, I mean, who you can't beat living out there, right? So again, there's a lot of factors that goes into uh, these decisions for these guys, but I, I do think it's an interesting conversation to start having with other Raider fans, and it's something that... Uh, you know, start thinking about that because over the next five games, if Antonio Pierce can't prove to us and show us those of you that aren't completely buying in yet, you know, if he doesn't earn it, then they're going to be searching for a new head coach. And so we're going to, we're going to see if Pierce can get that done. And if not, then the search begins. All right, guys, that is going to do it for this week. Uh, as I said, this is the bye week, so not a ton going on. So we kept the show short and sweet. Thought we'd mix up with a couple other uh, fun topics. So I hope you enjoyed the show. But we will be back again on my normal recording day of Thursday. We'll be previewing the uh, Week 14 game with the Minnesota Vikings and the Las Vegas Raiders being played at Allegiant Stadium. Raiders back at home in action. So we will uh, begin to take a look at that game. Hope you guys tune in for that one. In the meantime, everybody... Thank you again for uh, joining me this week and be sure to 
follow the show, subscribe to the show, anywhere you get your podcast. Follow me on X at egrote 5 Hope everyone has a great weekend. Until then, I'm your host, Evan Grote. And as always, just win, baby. <laughs> <laughs>